Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. Almost a trip. Almost a trip. Man, Brandon's so culturally relevant. Wow, so good. Tiffany, uh, our kids pastor, wrote a book called Ivy... Anne Marie. Why did you name it that? That's beautiful. Rolls off the tongue. You just creatively made it up. That's awesome. She wrote a book. Pick this up for your kids. I think we're selling it out there. And um, also, you could just get it for yourself. Read it and say you read a book. There you go. It's the easiest book you would have ever read. And uh, it's good to be in church. My spring break crowd. Rowdy, rowdy spring break crowd. So good. Spring break craziness, craziness. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, church. I love this church. I love this church. I, uh, I really do. I think it's the best church on the planet, best people on the planet, and uh, stories and, and faith and grace and just authenticity in this church is, uh, is just incredible. And to, to, to just come through COVID together and come through closing down the church and then bringing the church back to life and and serving and, and reaching the community, trying not to skip a step, even though the context is, is pretty radical. Um, what happens here in church is, is very real. I want you to know that, that, that this, is, of course, has an outline, and uh, we try to, you know, come in and get coffee and sing praise and do worship, and then we do. There's a format, but what takes place in this place is, is very much based on each other's faith receiving the Holy Spirit and, and, and standing on the Word of God, like my wife was saying, just being a part of the service, being a part of it, bringing faith to the service, stirring up the atmosphere, um, inter, interceding throughout the service. Um, I know I'm putting a lot on. You're like, geez, I just want to come to church. <laughs> you're like, we should have gone to the beach. But this is the Navy SEALs right here. I mean, y'all are like, we're coming to church, then we're going to the beach. So I like this crowd, spring break crowd, spring forward crowd, surreal Christians, amen. The Navy SEALs, special forces. Um, and so shout for somebody else. Pray for somebody else this morning. Come to church for somebody else. Amen. And um, that's, that's, that's this church. I love it. Just a generous church, best church on the planet. That's you. That's you. That's us. God is good. It's good to be in here. And anything can happen. Amen. In church, anything can happen. And, and God, God can do anything in your life. And I want you to be encouraged this morning. I want you to be, I want you to be full of, of, of faith in the sense of receiving from God that, that he can do something. Don't look to yourself, amen, this morning of what can I do to get something from God this morning. Put your faith in him and what he can do, amen. Anything can happen in church. We're a people of faith. We are not a traditional church, a conservative church in the sense that we just have a format and then once we check the boxes, and now this is the time where Isaac talks. And a lot of people that don't know uh, a church like this oftentimes would be like, great talk. And that was a great speech. And that was a great encouragement. And that's fine. Paul uses the word preaching. And the reason he uses the word preaching is because we're basically taking teaching, hopefully scriptural, exegeted scripture, pulled from scripture, not eisegeted. I didn't have some thought over burrito last night and found a verse. I went to scripture and... 
exegeted, pulled Jesus out of Scripture, and then I present it to you. Preaching is taking that and mixing it with faith. It's not just my personality, okay? If I just do this enough, I can get you excited about Jesus, and we're going to have a little Pentecostal hoedown. This is not a Pentecostal hoedown. I try not to use stereotypical words because sometimes we have bad images that come into certain words if we say something. Oftentimes, uh, we have to correct that. The idea is that we're just bringing biblical words, excitement, faith, agreement, and joy. You know, all those other emotions we bring to every other aspect of life except church. And so in church, that's all we're doing is preaching. We're bringing word, mixing it with faith, teaching, preaching, and prophecy. Teaching, explanation, preaching, inspiration, prophecy, impartation. And it's a lot to do in an hour and 36 minutes. But we're trying to reach people. We are not here us for no more. We're trying to reach the city. Just so you know, what do you, what's your guys' goal? Take the city. That's the idea, is to, is to kick out darkness and evil on behalf of the kingdom of God and bring the kingdom into our world. And the good thing is we don't have to sell anything. I just give myself to what God is doing. I respond to what God is doing. And then I invite people into that world. The cool thing about Christianity is it's the only religion where God showed up and said, here I am with all the proof and all the reality and basically transform my life. And we get just to invite people into what's happening into our worlds. Amen. Take a deep breath. So this is church. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. This is real. This is not just check a box. So when we bring the word of God, when I bring the word of God, get excited in the sense of faith that God's going to take the preaching of the word and bring it about in your life. That this could be the Sunday where a Davidic anointing comes on you and you literally leave this place never the same again. It's not a cliche, it isn't, it, it, but it's a reality that today could be your day for some type of miracle. Amen? I, I want to be healed of allergies. I don't know about you, but I, I hate taking those, those pills. I, I'll take a healing of, of, of allergies, and, and, and I'm starting to, fuzz, it's getting a little fuzzy out there on the golf course, like deep. I don't know what that is, but it, it's my eyes, and so I'll, <laughs> it's my eyes, and so I'll take a, maybe some hearing, maybe you're like, well, turn down the praise music. Hey, excuse me, listen, we're not going to turn down the praise music. We're the tribe of Judah. All right, let's go to scripture this morning. This is church. Welcome to church. First Samuel 17, verse 25. I want to speak this morning about the kingdom. We're talking about the king and the kingdom, and what we're discussing is his will my will, sovereignty and free choice. If God is so powerful, why isn't he just so powerful? God is so powerful, but he also gave us a power of free choice. And with the power of free choice, I can choose to reject or receive the power of his sovereignty. There is a battle of wills. There is a battle. There is a power grab. And through the enemy, darkness and sin and death came because we believed it at the truth that was in the garden, but thank goodness, thank Jesus, there is another tree that also through Christ I can have life. And so there is this thing called faith based on the word that I can receive and access something. And so it's by faith, that's why we preach the word. So our faith, he's the author and the perfecter of our faith, will go through the roof so that we can run around here and yell Jesus really loud, sure, but that we can access True grace, which is true unmerited favor, which is true power. I need some power. 
I might need some coffee. I might need some naps. I might need some Maui. Amen. I might need some Wendy's. I don't know. I've been watching the final four, and all they have is Wendy's commercials. Marketing doesn't work, but all of a sudden, I want a Frosty and a Wendy's cheeseburger. All right. I'm just getting you ready, because I think we're going to have some church. All right. 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17, verse 25. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. That's a big deal if you kill Goliath. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I don't know about you. I don't want to talk big. I want to walk big and maybe talk big but I, I often don't have the words that I want to have. You ever find yourself not having the words that you want to have? I want the talk, and the talk comes from the walk. And the people answered him and said, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now, Eliab, remember Eliab, he was the one that was chosen by Samuel, but God said, uh-uh. He's prophet, you're just projecting your view of Saul on Eliab. Man, God does not see as man sees. I've not, I've not chosen him. I've rejected him. I've got someone who has a heart after my heart. Anyway, that's Eliab. His oldest brother heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here with, with whom? Here comes a burn. And, and, and he, who have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Boom, roasted. I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. I know exactly. Do you know exactly why everybody does what they do? I know what you're doing. I, I know. I know. I know why Activate gets up there. I know, I know why they say, I, I, know, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. I, always, I, I know what you're doing. I got discernment. I know it. If you always know what you do, everyone's doing, everyone's thinking, everyone's saying, maybe you are an Eliab. So, so don't be an Eliab. <laughs> I got nothing to preach on that. Just don't. But be a David. Maybe, maybe harness all the thoughts you think you know about everybody. And even if they are, save yourself a whole lot of anger. From I can't believe they would do that or think that or say that or act that way. Don't live a suspicious life. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first one. David's really interested in what happens to the man that kills Goliath. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul. There's the words. And he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will, someone say will, will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you're a youth and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant, he used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered it and the lamb from its mouth. When it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will. Someone say will. He will. You're good. This is good. This is good. We're going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. He will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. I want to speak this morning. On, I don't want to, but I will. 
I, I, don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, there's some things I want to do, and, 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 and I don't want to, but I, but I will. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for church. We thank you that you're building the church on us. You have partnered with us. We thank you. We don't understand the fullness of the mystery of the gospel. We don't understand the mystery of our time period on earth. We don't understand eternity. None of us waited to be born. We just whoop, received consciousness because you breathed life into us. You created us. We are created. We are created, Lord, and yet we're created in your image, the image of the eternal God. No one has seen the Father, but Lord, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. We have three in one. You went up to heaven and you gave us the Holy Spirit. Whoa, the mystery of the Godhead and yet the fullness of the Godhead is in Jesus. And so this morning we walk in victory because of Jesus. We, the, the, this morning we, we've got the blood. We, 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 were, we were crucified with Christ on the cross. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. And we might not fully be able to comprehend it, but when the word of God is preached and the blood is preached and the name of Jesus is preached, the spirit of God on the inside of me and on the inside of you starts to jump and starts to leap and we start to sense the reality of the living God and the living word and we thank you that the bread is life and the word is life and the spirit is life and you came to give us a life more abundantly. We declare, Lord, today that every fear and every lie and every depression and every bit of guilt and shame and torment of hell, sin, sickness, and the grave, Lord, that you you defeated and had victory over 2,000 years ago. God, we, pro we, we proclaim that that victory Lord, would come into this place and every one of us would receive the fullness and the right to the cross, to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because you took our place on the cross and we ask you for Jesus to come into our hearts, into our minds, into our worlds and give us the fullness, Lord, of what you did on that cross. I don't want to walk in shame. I don't want to walk in defeat. I want to walk in victory in the name of Jesus Christ today. In your name, everybody said amen. Amen. I often wonder if I'm normal. Do you ever, do you ever ask, do you ever wonder? I, we had this sex ed book in eighth grade called Am I Normal? And I never forget it because you're like, yeah, that's about right. You know, it's... Everything happening to my body, you know, normal is everything happening in my faith normal. Is like, is this is this is this normal? You know, to do this in marriage, to or is this is this is this is it, this is hard? Is that normal? Am I abnormal? Like, right? Am I? Do you ever wonder if you're Peter or Judas? You know, you're like, hmm, how's this gonna work out? Like, I, is this is this fight that I'm in normal? Is it normal? to like think about donuts this much, right? Is the, is the struggle with my health this normal? Is raising kids, is this normal? Is the fight that I'm in, where, where on the scale? I just want to know where on the scale because I feel a little bit crazy. If it's that hard for me, like I, I, how hard is it? Is it that difficult? Is what I'm going through, am I normal? And when it comes to cars, I often wonder, am I normal? Because I feel like I have an exuberant amount of issues with cars. So much so, I literally went to God multiple times 
and said, like, what's up? Is there, like, a secret idol in my, my house I brought home from Indonesia, right? Is there, is there, am I worshiping Satan? I don't know it. Is there a secret sin? Because, like, it, you know, I had a squirrel ruin my Kia. I had multiple, I still have an accident during Christmas, and there's no hope in sight of it getting fixed, it seems. Like, it's just constantly, like, some pot smokers hit me this Christmas, and now I'm just sitting, driving around a broken car, and, and I'm just like, okay. And, and, and my first car was a Bronco too. It was blue and beautiful and boxy, and, oh, I love that car. And then my, my second car was a, was a two-door Ford Exploder, Explorer, and... And I, I, I was on my way to pick up some youth for a youth conference. And I was just, I mean, I was in the car. And most of my things happen when I'm not sinning, right? Like, I'm not doing anything bad or wrong. Like, I'm worshiping Jesus in the car. I literally am, like, you know, lifting up the name. I'm worshiping. I had repented of every sin I've ever done that morning. I awakened the dawn. I was picking up some youth to go to a youth conference in Seattle. And, and, and I'm driving across the 205 bridge. I just got an oil change. And me and Jared talk about this all the time. When you get an oil change and a car wash, do you feel like you just got a new car? You're just like, vroom, vroom. I must have turbocharged it. Yeah. I don't know what oil they put in there. That feels good. Yeah. Woo. Anyways. Um, so I'm driving, and I'm driving on the 205 bridge, and psh, steam starts coming up out of my, you know, my hood. And I'm like, I don't want steam. I want steam in my shower, not out of the front of my car. Amen. And, and it psh, and the engine light's like, bing, 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 bing. And I go to, like, hit the gas. It was the weirdest feeling. It was like, nothing there. So I'm like, that's a weird feeling. There's nothing there. <laughs> nothing. And I just kind of steer over to the side of the bridge. And if you've ever broken down on the bridge or uh, whatever, it, it, it moves. It's really crazy. You're like, woo, like, this is weird. This thing is, it's like a trampoline here. A, vroom, that thing really, really moves. And cars are driving way too fast. Some of you were probably there that day. Just, whoo. And it was like, and it would, every time a car would go by, my car would go, hmm, you know, and it would like blow me over. So I, you know, I called dad and, 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 you know, it was a head gasket and, and uh, I just got an oil changed and Jiffy Lube told me they had topped off my fluids. Well, they hadn't. There was no water in my radiator and um, that's about the extent I know about cars. So let's stop talking about cars. The collaborator, the collab, uh, you know what I'm saying. And, uh, but I, I, I wonder sometimes why life is so hard. I, I wonder, you know, sometimes just because we've got 4K TVs and ice makers and microwaves and, you know, bakers and fires now, the whatever, and, the, and all this stuff, as I, I'm wondering if we don't understand that we're in a battle, that, that, that I, I know it's modern, it's modern life and all the conveniences and everything, but lest we forget that we're in a battle. That, 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 that raising kids is, is a battle. Marriage is a battle. My faith is a battle. All the verses that I read about, I, they're not just metaphor. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. To put, it's a ba- the reason uh, that you know, they, they use the word battle and armor and the weapons, and, and, and Paul's like, put on the full armor. And we're like, okay, I'll put on some armor today. No, the reason you need to put on some armor is breaking news. You are in a battle. 
there's nothing wrong. It's just a perspective on, hold on. I thought battlefields were over. We're living in the year 2022. I, I thought everything, I thought, but we're treating this, this day and age as if it's a playground or if it's a high school cafeteria and we just kind of need to get along with everybody and there's some mean girls and there's some potheads and there's some jocks and all we need to do is just kind of find our crew and just get along to get along. But the truth of it is, is the context of this story is the very context we find our life in. Ladies and gentlemen, you are on a battlefield and the enemy is not here to play along nice. He is here to kill you and destroy you and steal you. Sin will come and lie to you in your garden to try to help you out with the word of God and tell you about God. But the truth of it is, is you are in a battle. That's why it's so difficult. It's because the enemy of your soul, including your past, including sin, including guilt and shame, including the enemy himself, does not want you to succeed. He's after your soul to destroy you from going into the promised land. That's why the enemy is against you. Maybe not everything you do, but that, that, that's why the children of Israel said we're not able to go into the promised land. That's the goal of the enemy. It's not just to attack your car and what you do, but to get to you. And so you'll go, something's wrong with me. Something is wrong with me. You're in a battle. You're in a battle. You're in a battle. You're in a battle. That's why the Bible uses battle terms not to be fun and poetic. It's because you're in a battle. That's why we use the term weapons. This is how we fight our battle. That's why everyone humanistic, philosophist, philosophistic, and all of the humanisms, and all the things of people, and they, they just kind of want to, it doesn't matter. They, you just kind of evolved. Evolution just points to the fact that it, does, it just kind of happened. You know what I'm saying? But it, really, the reality is you take a hard look, everything is designed. Everything has purpose. Everything has. And so when you're in a battle, there is a purpose. Yes, God has given us the victory, but we, we stand in the tension of heaven coming to earth and we are in a battle and the enemy does not want your marriage to be successful. The enemy does not want you to raise your kids and raise them up to serve God. He, the enemy does not want you to take ground and possess territory in your world. And that's why we can't play around with the enemy. We've got to take out once and for all insecurity, fear, depression. we got to stop living with this stuff. But what happens is just like the army, they're, they're on the battlefield, but we pretend that we can just live on this battlefield and just kind of abide. Like, can we just, like, all just chill out and get along? Let Goliath come out and roar. And then we, the army, you'll read, they, they come out, and they're like, they shout and they chant, oh, kill Goliath, kill Goliath. Goliath comes out like, they go back to their tents, and they do the same thing over every day. Do you feel like your life is the same thing over and over? You might be trying to just abide on a battlefield, but battlefields are meant in places to kill things. It's not here to play with you. We have been deceived in thinking, well, I don't want to talk to my kids about that because, you know, because what? Because what? You're going to let that thing live? It's trying to kill you. Why are we pretending that it's some sort of just like, you know, well, you know, I don't want to like, you know, go there. <laughs> it's trying to kill you. This insecurity that you're allowing in your life, in your family, it's not, it, it might look like a, it's deception. It might look like it's just kind of like, you know, but no, it's trying to kill you. And so what happens is we make tents on the battlefield. Saul's tent was probably awesome. 
right? It's just full of tapestry and food. Saul's, Saul's just like, hey, you know what? I can't kill Goliath, so I might as well live with it. So what you can't kill, you just try to figure out how to cope with it and deal with it. So we end up coping and not killing. But I'm here to talk to some Davids that are like, you know what? Just because mom didn't kill it, just because dad didn't kill it, then you know what? It's, I guess God is raising me up as a David in this, in this time period in my family. I'm not going to allow that, that thing to live any longer. I will, by the power of God and the Holy Spirit and the word and worship and forgiveness and prayer and grace and scripture, I will not let this sin, this dysfunction, this generational thing, this passive aggression, this anger, this insecurity, this fear live any longer. I'm here to tell you, church, it is a battlefield, and it is time to take out the thing that is trying to destroy you. It's trying to destroy you. Some of you didn't even want to come to church this morning. I'm telling you, there is resistance to the fact that you are about to take some ground. You're about to take some ground. The enemy does not like to give up ground. That's why when Jesus kicked out the demons of that guy, and they're like, hey, can we go into the pigs? Why do they want to go to the pigs? Because they don't want to leave the area. There's territorial things. That's why every time we have church in this city, the most unchurched place in America, every single time the enemy gets a little bit scareder because the people of God are saying, you know what, we're not just going to abide with this humanism. We're not just going to abide with this thing. We are coming after the enemy because we are coming after in the name of Jesus to deliver people from their sin and their shame and the way we do it, the way we fight our battles is in the name of Jesus. And the way we fight, I want to talk about the way we fight, but we're in a battle. We're in a battle. We're in a battle. I just needed to tell you, if you don't get anything else, just know that you're in a battle. That's why you're fighting in your mess. That's why you're kids. That's why, that's why. And guess what? You don't need to, you don't need to, you don't need, you don't need to go, is that the devil? Is that culture? Is that MTV? Is that TikTok? Is that an angel? Is that a demon? You actually don't need to do that. You just need to stand on the word of God and fight the battle that God has called you. The battle God's called you to do is stand on the word. Forgive. Worship, pray, break out the Bible at dinner. Good luck with that one. You'll, you'll know, it's a, you'll start to see it's a battle. My kids love Jesus. My, my mom, Carrie, I call her mom. Um, Carrie, <laughs> whatever mom. Carrie broke out the Bible and I got good loving Jesus teenagers, but you get the eyes rolled. Why? It's a battle. Hey, do you want to talk about that? No one ever wants, do you notice in marriage no one ever wants to talk about what we need to talk about? Can we talk about that later? Does later ever work? Has, has, your spouse, has someone in your life said, you know, I think it's later. <laughs> Do you think we could discuss that really weird thing that happened five years ago that we've never, you know, finished talking about? I, I feel like it's later. <laughs> Definitely later. It's never. Why? Battle. Oh. But we're taking some territory. Because we, we're not going to have the pity party. Why do my cars break? You know, why does it, oh, I'm always like, oh, it's a battle. It's a battle. It's a battle. David steps onto a battlefield. Oh, unprepared. I don't know why God does this. I hate it. But he will send you into battle unprepared and unwarned. That's why some of you, every time you get onto a battlefield, you're like, oh, no, I'm not prepared for this one. I'm going <laughs> to head on back to the sheep. And what you do is you head on back to what you know. 
because you're not prepared. Breaking news is a battlefield and God will send you unprepared. Because it's not about what you do, it's about who you are. And what God is doing on the inside of you is he is preparing you. So if you find yourself in a battlefield, know that you serve a good, good father. And dad God thought it was a good idea to bring you into a battlefield to show you who you are. Because a lot of times it's not who you're not, it's who you are. And you just don't know who you are. And so God will reveal who you are on a battle. He will send you on a battlefield to show you that thing that you've been so good at isn't just for squirrels is for giants and there is a there is something in you that you didn't even know have you stepped into a situation where you didn't want to preach the gospel because you didn't know what to say and all of a sudden you stepped into the battlefield of that person's soul and all of a sudden something started coming out of you yeah that's why God will send you unprepared because he doesn't need you he sent out the disciple I feel like preaching he said don't worry about what to say because I'll give you the words I'm just going to get you in situations I'm going to put you on the battlefields so I can get the glory that's why David David stepped onto a battlefield and said, this battle is the Lord's. Because he wasn't worried about it. He sends you in unprepared. Quit trying to be so prepared. We live in the administrative age where we always got to be prepared. I love laptops and Excel spreadsheets. But you cannot Excel spreadsheet all of the stuff in your family. You got to bring in the spirit. And you got to bring in the word. And you got to bring in the Holy Ghost. He'll send you unprepared. He'll send you unprepared. I think it's unfair. What if David had been shearing sheep all day the day before, right? And he had like nicks and bruises. You know, when you shear, like when I weed, you know, my hemis just really, really go out. I'm pulling weeds up all day in the yard. I can barely walk. Well, what if David had done that? That's not fair. He didn't even tip him off. He used his dad, go bring the boys cheese. And David shows up and it's the biggest day of his life. That's how, that's the gods you serve. He'll send you into battlefields unprepared. So when you find yourself in a conversation, you're like, mm, I'm not prepared for this. Uh, abort. Right? You're unprepared, unwarned, no warning. And you're not even there to fight anyways. You ever done that in a fight? You're like, hey, I don't want to fight. I'm not trying to fight. Right? Well, of course not because you're innocent. I'm just there to bring cheese and crackers. I was just trying to take out the garbage, babe. Babe, I was just trying to wash the car. I, I was just trying to compliment you. I, 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 I was just trying to invite you to ch- I, I, I. And what happens, what you're doing is you're stepping on a battlefield saying, I'm not prepared. I'm not, I'm not, I was unwarned about this. And I'm not even here to do what you're doing anyway, so I'm going to get out of here. And so what we do is we get good at leaving battlefields that God has called us to, to have victory, not just on behalf of ourselves but other people but I'm telling you it's because we feel unprepared and God I just want you to know you're on a battlefield you will always feel unprepared but that's when God wants to get the glory can you stand on a battlefield can you stand on a battlefield unprepared dependent upon the Holy Spirit dependent upon the word of God dependent on the identity that God's forming on the inside of you We can. I'm a David. 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 Preparation is in who you are. He's been preparing you your whole life. You think you need a sword. You don't need the sword. He gave you everything you have. You have everything you need, David. You look at your sling and you despise it because you think you need a sword. But you don't need what you don't have. You have everything you need. He's preparing you. He is preparing you. You're on a battlefield. You're on a battlefield. Some of us come on the battlefields and we see Goliaths and we go, man, I really want to kill a Goliath. Because a Goliath will get me a wife, the king's daughter. A Goliath 
will get me into the palace. A Goliath will get my family out of taxes. A Goliath. So what we do is we run around and go, I'm just trying to create the next app. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Okay. Because an app will make me a millionaire. I just need to. And we run to Goliath thinking because we look at this story and we go, well, a Goliath is a game changer. A Goliath is public. A Goliath is, represents someone else's problem, see? That's business. If I can solve your problem, I can create a business. If I can have a product that you like, I can take care of your problems. We can start a church and you'll get blessed. Awesome. And so this is a Goliath. A lot of this is Goliath stuff. And Goliath stuff comes out of your inner world. What happens is you step on to the battlefield and you want to kill a Goliath. You want to take out someone else's enemy. You want to help out somebody else you want to start a business you want to write a book you want to sing a song you want to do something big right so because that's a Goliath thinking that's hey man if I can kill a Goliath my whole life will change the problem is when you step onto the battlefield and you haven't killed any lions what happens is you step onto the battlefield and go someone should kill Goliath you let, let me tell you how to kill your Goliath and you point to everybody else. That's why we can all live each other's lives better. You spent all the money on that couch? That was silly. You ever felt judged by everything you spend by someone in your family? It's because they can spend your money better than you. Well, guess breaking news, all of us can, can live each other's lives better than what you do. I can step in your world and go, why did you do that? Why did you do that? So the idea was David stepped on to a battlefield that wasn't his. Goliath wasn't his problem. He could go home. He wasn't in the army. He wasn't Saul. He, was, he just happened to be there. God put him there. And he said, I can take care of this for you. And the only way and the only reason I can take care of this for you is because God took care of it for me. So what he started to say was the things that I learned by killing lions, I'm going to take and do for you. He didn't condemn them with, with powerless words that we often do to each other. You know what you should do? You should really try this and you should really try that. David didn't come onto the battlefield with any advice and good ideas. He stepped onto a battlefield that wasn't his and said, you know, know what? I'm going to actually take out this thing that's trying to kill you. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to do the same thing with the things that try to kill me, I'm going to use to take out the things that are trying to kill you. And so that's why you need to go back. Some of us need to go back into your inner world. I know just harness, just put the app design and the business design, all the big things. Go back into your private world and kill some lions. What's trying to kill you? What's trying to take you out when no one's looking? What do you fight against in the battlefield of your mind or the battlefield of your soul or the battlefield of your whatever it is? Go kill some lions. Go kill some lions. And when you kill some lions, you'll step back onto the battlefield and you'll go, oh, oh, I know what to do for you. I can actually help you because I'm going to use the same things that God showed me to kill my lions. And I'm going to kill your lions, a.k.a. Goliath. And when I can kill your Goliath, I can step into a whole new dimension of authority, call of God, business, finance. When you start solving other people's problems, they'll pay you for it. They'll honor you for it. And you'll start to walk in some life-changing things. The problem is we don't want to kill lions because that might cost us. Well, no one's watching. No, one's, no one sees this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because that's when it matters. And then what you learn by killing those lions, you can start to step into battlefields and go, I know, I know what you're fighting. And not only am I going to tell you how to kill your lions, I'm going to, you know what? I got it. 
is a battlefield. So much of this is not for me this morning. I love preaching for me. It's my call. It's, a, it's, it's what God's called me to do. But so much of today is I step into a battlefield. And I say, I'm going to kill your Goliath for you. I'm coming against, I'm coming against this insecurity for you. How did David get onto the battlefield? How did David get onto the battlefield? Because we see the meeting of Saul, which means my will, the flesh, and David, which is, which is God's will. He's a type of Christ. There has to be a meeting. Every battle, there's a meeting. And within the tent is the meeting of Saul and the meeting of David. We see the two wills come together, and they meet in the tent. How did David get there? How did David get to the battlefield? How did David get to the tent? He didn't without faith. He didn't. He didn't just, you know, the Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing in Proverbs. Some people are like, I'm going to go find my wife. Okay, good, good, awesome. I'm, I'm going to go find my husband. I'm going to go find a business idea. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go kill a Goliath and get a wife and get money and get fame. Just going to start an Instagram. It's going to dope. What, what, what? You know that word find just means walk? It's like if I was to go outside and find a $2 bill and be like, you know what, tomorrow morning I'm going to do the same thing. <laughs> it, it wasn't that you were looking, it's where you were walking. You didn't find it, the $2 bill found you. And that word find in the proverb, I wouldn't mean to say, it actually means to reach out and grab you. And so when you walk in faith, all you got to realize is if I walk in the word of God, I don't run, I don't run anything. God causes things to run into me. I literally just need to make sure I'm walking according to the word of God. And so David was simply relinquishing his will to God and God got his heart. That was it. It started with the heart. God said, here's my heart. David said, here's my heart. Here's my heart. It starts with the heart, doesn't it? In our hearts, God, we believe that God is real. Out of your heart, confess. Out of your heart, say that Jesus Christ is Lord. It starts with the heart. God's after our heart. If he can get our hearts, then he gives us his heart, right? Are you with me? Heart, heart, heart. When you fall in love, what is it? It's your heart. You're like, oh, can't stop thinking about Kate. I can't, you know, people ask me, how do you know? Well, if you don't know, you know. And if you can't live without that person, you know, you'll know. So many people date the wrong person all the time. Like, I don't know. Well, if you don't know, you know. Because when you know, you know. When you get hit by the love bug, you're like sick. She had my heart and she had my hand. Because when someone has your heart, they get all of you. And then when you close up your hand, it's only because your heart got hard. I don't know. I mean, yeah, there are strong-willed kids, but there are strong-hearted kids. And that's why we have to help them open up their heart and get soft again. Because when God got David's heart, he got all of them. So David's heart, heart. We're heart people, aren't we? We're heart people. We're heart people. And then David gave David his wants, or David gave God his wants. He gave him his words, and he gave him his will. That, that's how David got into the tent that day. His, his wants were God's. His words were God's. God, I give you everything. I give you everything. I love you. I worship you. I want, I 
want your words. And then David's words, God gave him his words. And so David's wants and David's words and David's will became God's. There's an exchange, right? There's a beautiful exchange. God, I give you my heart. I give you my heart. This morning, give God your heart. You know why that's such faith? It's because when you give God your heart, like sometimes it doesn't feel like, did anything change? <laughs> Am I different? Because we kind of want more than a heart. Right? I mean, I kinda, all right. But when God gets your heart, when he breaks your heart, you start to want to worship him. Do you remember that? Do you remember when God got your heart? And you were no longer. I thought that wasn't going to end. 20 minutes later, I'm like up to here. Tankini. All right. It's in style. Everyone would leave. He gets your heart. He gets your heart. We're heart people. We're Christians. We like, why do you go to church? I want to. It's when, it's when, it's when I have to becomes a want to, right? Say, like, why are you really going to jump out? I want to. Do you worship? I do want. Do you have to? No, I want to. Right? Why are you inviting someone to Easter? I want to. Man, I want to. I want to. I want my kids to just not do the dishes. I want them to want to. That's my job. And they look at me like I'm crazy. Dad, why would I ever want to do the dishes? Because you love me and you love this house and you love contributing and you don't want to be a slug and a bug and a rug and a log and, a, and you want to contribute and you want to honor and you want to stand in this house as a man and you want to take up weight and you want to reflect this household in an honorable way and you want to be someone that can be trusted and consistent and reliable and honest and good and loving. That's why. Okay. All right, Dad, I want you to want to. I don't want anyone to ever just do something for me. Don't, I want you to, I want Jesus, I want you to be a cheerful giver. If you end up tithing, you end up giving offerings, I'm telling you, you'll know it's the Spirit of God because you're going to be like, I want to. I want to. So much of our world is God transforming our hearts. It says in Colossians 2.15, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly. That's the wrong verse. Hebrews 8.10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, right? So that's, that's the God that we serve. When we give him our heart, he literally gives us his heart and we literally start desiring new things. That's why I tell young men, you need a heart transplant. Your will, your, your, your determination, that accountability group will not save you from the evils of pornography. You need a heart change, literally, so you will not desire that thing any longer. Trust me, God will, he, he wants to give you a new heart, because when he gives you a new heart, you literally start desiring the things of his kingdom. We're hard people. We're not have to people. We're hard people. We're want people. I want your presence, and then your words change, and then your will changes, and then God says, okay, I'm going to throw you a curveball. I'm going to upgrade your theology. Are you ready? We're like, I don't know. This is okay. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm your heavenly father. I took you out of abuse. I, I brought you out of dysfunction. I brought you out of debt. I brought you out of anger. I brought you out of, I brought you out of shame. 
I saved you. I saved you. I put my spirit in you. I gave you life and a life more abundantly. Does anyone feel saved, delivered, healed, refreshed, renewed by the spirit? Yes. And then all of a sudden, God throws us across. He says, pick up your cross and follow me. And we're like, I don't want to. I, I don't heart that. Hold on, let me pray about that. It's a hard no. The Lord told me not to die on the cross. No, not to pick up my cross. Spirit of discernment just said no. Why? Because we're so, we're so refreshed, we're so saved, we're so renewed that when God asks us to pick up a cross and follow him back into that dysfunction, back into that family reunion, back into that neighborhood, we go, hold on, this doesn't feel right. And we stop at the foot of the cross in the name of God. I don't feel this. I don't want this. And God said, that's right. Your want does direct your will. But every once in a while with the cross, your will needs to tell your want what to do. Because David didn't stand before Goliath saying he wanted to. That's why he was making the deal. What happens to the guy who kills him? What happens to the guy that kills him? He didn't step on there as some fantasy, you know, mythological individual saying, I want to kill Goliath. I've been waiting for this. No, David said, I will. David said, I'm willing. Not that he wanted to, but that he was willing. And every once in a while, we got to look at that cross. See, the cross wasn't for Jesus. Jesus didn't need salvation. You and I needed salvation. When Jesus went to the cross, it was for you and I. When we pick up our cross, it might be for somebody else. And when we stand at that cross, we go, no, he's not called me to death. He's called me to life. He's called me to grace. He's called me to the Holy Ghost. He's called me to a pure conscience. He wants me to be a cheerful giver. He wants joy, peace, and love in the Holy Ghost. And God said, yeah, yeah, but every once in a while, I'll bring you to a Goliath. And it's not just for you. It's for somebody else. Goliath was Israel's problem. Goliath was Saul's problem. But God will raise up a David to step onto a battlefield that's not his. And killing Goliath will deliver somebody else. So when Jesus says, pick up your cross, it might be for your mom. It might be for your dad. It might be for your family. And you're like, I don't sense the Holy Ghost telling me to go to the family but you need to know you're not going for you you're going for them we gotta quit going to church just for us maybe you're not amening for you maybe you're not raising your hands just for you Maybe you're doing it for somebody else. Maybe your amen or your praise or your faith is the very Goliath that someone's insecurity is standing at. So when you begin to praise and you begin to worship and you begin to dance, you are setting someone else free from their Goliath. just come to church and say hey good luck here's the verse I'm stepping into the battlefield I'm here on your behalf of course I love it 
the other battlefield was Gethsemane. David's a type of Christ, and he points to Gethsemane. And some of us wrestle with this theologically, so let me clear this up. Jesus prayed in the garden, I don't want this. I don't want this. Father, if there's any way that you can allow this cup to pass, let, let, it, let it be so. Nevertheless, not, not my will, but your will. What Jesus was telling, he wasn't confused. Because oftentimes we look at this and go, Jesus, you, this was your plan. You were born to die. What are you doing? Are you confused? No. He is the word. He's our walking, talking theology. He was saying there are some things that you're not going to want to do. And Jesus knelt and bled tears in the garden of Gethsemane, the very battlefield of his soul. And he said, I don't want to, but I'm willing. I don't want to, but I'm willing. I don't want to, but I'm willing. And he hung on that cross and cried, Eli, Eli, Shabbatni, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because there are going to be some crosses that you're not going to want. And if your want is your only filter, you might miss the cross. Because there are going to be some things that you have to will your want. So I don't want this. And Jesus comes along and says, it's not for you. It's not for you. It's for someone else. It's for somebody else. There are some people I like to preach to. There are some people I don't. There are some people I like to give to. And there are some people I don't. There are some people I love to invite to church. And there are some people I don't. And God has shown me the cross. Isaac, it's time to stop using your want or the, or the filter that you're using, your heart because I've shown you so much in your heart and God will show you so much I can't even talk He'll show you so much there we go in your heart that we get used to just the heart and so when God comes along and says I'm going to take you to a new level of death so that you can bring resurrection life to you your family your neighborhood this city I need some Christians that are willing to pick up their cross and follow me and every once in a while you come to church for some somebody else you worship for somebody else you read your bible for somebody else it's my cross it's my cross can I be honest with you I don't like two services I don't like multiple services I don't like multiple campuses you know what I want I want a big old building in the middle of the city with a three four hour worship service one service you show up Get, get comfortable, start to praise, maybe like four songs, then like four worship songs, I love an hour, couple exhortations from the worship leaders, couple testimonies from missionaries, and now we're like two and a half hours in, then I get up to preach for like an hour and a half because I need an hour and a half to really bring the word that I want to bring and then we and then we and then we prophesy and we pray altar calls people come up you just end your day on the carpet just soaked in the Holy Ghost but God begin to put on my heart it's you got to go to two services and multiple campuses I said God I don't want to reach consumeristic people that are just hooked on convenience but God asked me I know that but is that a cross that you're willing to carry to reach a generation that's up against a Goliath that they can't kill are you willing to stretch your thinking beyond what you want and what you feel can you pick up your cross 
and follow me. Can you shout? God, I don't, I don't shout. That's not my personality. Great. Can you shout for somebody else? Can you come to church for somebody else? Can you, can you read your Bible for somebody else? I don't think Noah wanted to build the ark. I don't think he was like, yeah, 80-year boat project. Woo! We read our Bible so funny. We thought David like got on the battlefield. He's like, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Woo! No, 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 no. He's like, let me get this straight. The dude who does this gets the king's daughter gold and his family doesn't have to pay taxes. He kept asking. I trust you. I trust you, but I got to... Is it true? Why? Because he was saying, I will. So, I will. I'll, I'll preach the gospel. I'll want to. I mean, once a year. You, you know what I want to preach the gospel? When someone asks me, so what's up with the Bible, you know? And I'm like, I love that one. When someone tells me that the Bible's a joke, that's when I'll be like, all right, man, take it easy. <laughs> but we're coming into a time period where I'm like, oh, well. What's done for the man who kills the Goliath in this generation? Resurrection life. Resurrection life. That's what David was saying. He said, I'm willing to die. I'm willing to die for the life. The church is built on the blood of Jesus and the blood of martyrs. Millions of men and women that went before us, they didn't want to get eaten by lions. They didn't want to burn at the stake. They just said, I'm willing. I'm willing. David didn't say, I want to get up at four in the morning and dance like a fool in the in the fields he said i will he didn't say i want to awaken the dawn he said i will i will i will praise i will magnify i will jesus didn't say i want to take nails into my flesh and i want to be whipped and i want the crown of thorns and i want to be forsaken no jesus said every once in a while you got to get a hold of the will of god and tell your want to come into alignment with the word of god and say i will i'm willing i'm willing i'm willing to be a spokesperson i'm willing to lift up the name i'm willing god I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing. I don't think Peter wanted to do some of the things. I don't think Paul wanted to be in prison. I don't think Esther wanted to go before the king. But they said, we have a long heritage of men and women that said, I'm willing, not my will be done, but your will be done. I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing. I'm willing, I'm willing, I'll pick up my cross and follow you. I'm willing, Jesus said, I don't want to, but I'm willing. I don't want to, but I'm willing. I don't want to, but I'm willing.
but I'm willing. I don't want to wake up, but I'm willing. I don't want to preach, but I'm willing. I don't want to talk, but I'm willing. I don't want to have that conversation, but I'm willing. I don't want to go to church every Sunday, but I'm willing. I don't want to shout and dance, but I'm willing. Nevertheless, 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 it's a moment of pivot. It's a moment of pivot. It's a moment of transition. It's a moment of nevertheless, not my will, 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 for yours be to life it's so good that life and then when you go and you pick up a cross for somebody else there's death and you're like this isn't this isn't life this isn't God and God goes no it's for it's for somebody else it's for somebody else it's for somebody else but Jesus said I'll, I'll, I'll raise you up but I don't want your wants to be your only filter in serving me Sometimes your will has to come into alignment with the Word of God and the will of the Father. And you stand, a, you stand in that cross moment for somebody else. And of course, the, any cross that we pick up points to the ultimate cross that Jesus Christ took for all of us. I'm not someone's Jesus. I'm just, I'm just defeating something in someone's life, pointing them to Jesus. I, I'm, just a, I'm just like a little representation of Jesus so that that person can see Jesus in me and hopefully put their faith in Jesus. But I've got to be willing to no longer just say, well, I don't really want to do that. I'll say, God, do you want me to, to go to the family reunion? How many times have we said, man, I'm done. I'm done with family. I'm done with that person. I'm done. It's not who I am. And God goes, I know, but are you willing to pick up your cross for them? Are you willing? Are you willing to shout for somebody else? Are you willing? Are you willing? I'm telling you, it's a pivotal moment in our church because it's a theological upgrade that when you come to church, of course God is good and he wants to bless you. But then you also understand, I'm not just here for me. I'm not just here for me. I'm here for somebody else. 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 One more thing. So David understood when the Spirit of Christ, for him, God comes into me, comes into my spirit. 
that's why one moment you're like, I love Jesus, I'm never gonna sin again. Like two days later, you're like, sinning, you're like, ah. Because the flesh is weak and the spirit of God is willing. So David understood, okay. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm never gonna want to. I think a lot of us are waiting for that anointing that like covers the flesh. We're like three in the morning. We're like, ah, I'm going to We're waiting for that family moment where we're like, all right, kids, we're going to read our Bible tonight. And everyone's like, yeah, woo. No, it's a battle. Hey, guys, let's read the Bible. Hey, can I pray for you? Sure. And we're like, why is this such a battle? You got it. Got it. Not my will, but your will. So David understood that if his spirit, if he could just get his spirit going, his spirit would tell his soul and body what was up. So that that that's why, that's why he was saying, okay, I don't want to, but I'm willing because I see that through death comes life, right? The Good Friday leads to resurrection. So, so I can just, and I'm telling you, six in the morning for me feels like a cross. I mean, I is like, ah. But like David understood, hold on, if I get my spirit to wake up and say, God is good, God is awesome, and my spirit can start to tell my soul, wake up, soul, come on, wake up, body, wake up. What you're saying is, I don't want to, but I'm willing. And when I am willing, I allow the will of my heavenly Father and heaven as it is to come to my earth. So as it is, begins to happen in my world. I don't want to worship, but I'm willing. I don't want to, but I'm willing. So your spirit begins to tell, come on, soul, wake up, wake up, wake up. Come on, mind, wake up, wake up, wake up. Come on, body, wake up. The spirit is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Wake up. The spirit of God is always willing in you. When you begin to determine, not my will. So every death leads to life. So when you wake up, you say, come on, come on, come on. Every time in church, we say, come on, come on, come on. The heavenly plan and kingdom comes to earth. Let's try it right now. Just one more minute. Just one more minute. Just one more minute. Just one more minute. Let's just try this on. Okay, I don't want to, but I'm willing. Just begin, begin to begin to praise him. And, 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 and Austin's going to help us out with some drums here. But you just, just start to tell yourself, you know what? It's going to be a good week in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, my kids are going to serve God. In the name of Jesus, I don't want to, I don't even feel like praying this, but I will. But I will. I will serve God. Begin to proclaim something. Let your spirit tell your mouth. Let your spirit tell your body. You know what? I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to lift up the name of God. I'm going to preach. Start to tell yourself. Start to, I don't want to, but I'm willing. 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 Not my will, but your will. Begin to tell yourself, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to love God. I'm going to worship. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to believe. I'm going to walk in confidence. I will. I will. I will magnify. I will praise. I will worship. I am forgiven.
to speak to yourself. Self, wake up, wake up, wake up. Worship, worship him. He's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. Magnify God, magnify God. Come on church, magnify God. You're awesome, you're worthy, you're awesome, you're lovely, you're amazing, you're savior, you're king of kings, you're Lord of lords. We love you, we worship you, we worship you. Just do that. That's it. You go from Good Friday to Easter Sunday at dinner. But here's the thing, and we're going to get out of here. You will taste death. Don't run from that moment. Your kids will roll their eyes. Your wife will look at you and say, really want to talk about that right now. Your neighbors will try to hide because they see the Easter, Easter invite in your hand. Whenever you go to allow his will to be done, your want to will fight you. Don't let it win. Don't believe the lie that, well, you know, our kids don't, you know. No, no, no. Stand in that moment. God will give you the strategy. You're taking on that death. Don't blame them for their Goliath. Jesus said, I've called you to this battlefield because you, it's your cross for them. You're going to take out and you're going to use how you killed your lions to take out their Goliath. But I've called you to deliver people, not just to tell them how you were delivered. So you're going to step into people's worlds and God's going to give you the strategy to deliver them. And then they're going to fall to the ground and go, oh my gosh, you saved me. And you're going to go, no, I didn't. He did. He did. I just helped. I just helped kill the thing that was trying to kill you. We can do this. The victory's already been won. Every cross, every moment of death, God told me to tell you, don't run from it. Die to it. And he'll raise it up. He'll raise it up. He'll raise it up. I just felt for so many of you, go to the family lunch and take, take it. Take, take, that, take that cross. And God's going to give you the strategy. You've got the sling in your hand, David. You're going to do something to deliver your family. You don't have to just give them a couple of self-help tips. David, God's going to use you, David. You're going to take out the thing that they've been scared of their whole life. It's going to feel like a death, but God's going to raise you up and get all the glory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's give them some praise one last time. Come on. Thank you, Jesus.
Worship team, give us, give us one more song. I just want to invite people to pray. I know we got late. If you need some prayer, you need to give just a few more minutes in this atmosphere. Come on up here. Our, our prayer team will be up here. Just solidify what God's doing. If you just need to say, man, I just need to give my will to God. Come on up here. If you're fighting through something, let someone help you this morning. Let someone pray with you, stand with you. Write down what God's speaking to you. If you need to linger in this moment, man, just hang out for a few minutes. and Just allow God to speak to you. If not, have an incredible day. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday. If you need some prayer, come on up. Come on.